It is good to see each of you here this morning, and thank you for coming to worship with us. It is a privilege to have you. I want to stand up here this morning, and I wasn't going to do this, but I want to tell you how great it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, I am not prone to any, uh, you know, absence of trouble in my life. I think you are the same. But I want to encourage you this morning as you see the world around you with what's going on in this nation and what's going on with Israel, with what's going on with sickness and pandemics, that I want you to be assured that God is in control. This message this morning is for believers. And I want to share with you the great benefits we have as being believers. You see, it's kind of funny since I have transitioned from my full-time job to full-time here that I had to look for benefits. And we talk about benefits anytime you have a, a job, you look at life insurance or medical insurance and dental insurance, and we call those benefits, the benefits of being employed, the add-ons, the extras that give us a little bit more if something happens. First and foremost, God created us for His glory. But by His glory, we have benefits as believers. And I want to encourage you this morning and ask you, in whom do you put your trust? What do you fear? If you have your Bibles, I ask that you stand with me as we turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. 14 through 18. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 18. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted." You may be seated. We need to give you a little background before I start with the therefore. Therefore is a term of conclusion. It is said. It is done. Therefore, if we back up, you will see that as the writer is encouraging this church, the Hebrew church, that are facing persecution, I want you to understand and listen. I'm going to go ahead and just give a preemptive strike. Wake up, church. We had not seen nothing yet. 
I want you to understand that hate is a powerful thing. And before they hated you, they hated Jesus. And he is speaking to this group that says, look, Christ, from your people, my people, was a seed. And he came to identify with humanity. He became Man, that he may, he stooped below angels. He stooped below the prophets that he may be made in the likeness of man so he could pay the price for man. And he says right here that therefore, since Christ done this, the term of conclusion, therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, again, he's talking to believers. Children, when you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're brothers and sisters. You see, that means that every tribe and every tongue and every nation, no matter who your daddy is, how much money you have, or what color you are, you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We're part of the same family because reconciliation was made on the cross. Therefore, since children share the same flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who fear death, who were subject to that slavery of all their lives. I want you to understand, Warren Wiersbe said this, Jesus Christ did not take himself the nature of angels in order to save fallen angels. Instead, he stooped lower than the angels to become a man, and not just a man in general, but he became a Jew, a part of the seed of Abraham. The Jews were a despised and hated race, and yet our Lord became a Jew. Because of the person and work of Christ, and you have placed your faith and trust in him, you are a descendant of Abraham by Jesus Christ. Christ changes everything. Look what he says. That he might free those who the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. I think that's an interesting verse, and I'm going to tell you why. How many people fear death? Are you in bondage to it? You know, I give this illustration one Wednesday night that a pastor got up one day and he told the congregation, how many of you are ready to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand except one person. Preacher said, you're not ready to go to heaven? He said, I thought you was taking a load now. Everybody proclaims they're ready to go to heaven. But they're, to the, they're in the bondage of death. You see, I want you to understand what he is saying in this verse is he has broke the power of death. See, we weren't originally made to die. Do you realize that? That's what he's telling them. We were originally created by God, Adam and Eve. As they were in the garden, he walked with God. But the deceiver, the murderer, as John 8, 44 would say, the murderer, Satan, tempted Eve. And that relationship between man and God was broken. People say, well, I don't understand 
Why, 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 why I have to pay for what somebody else done? You know how many times I get that question? Because everybody's good people. We're all good. No, you're not. I've told people, there's no good in me. The only good in me is Christ that lives in me. That goodness was broken in that day in the Garden of Eden when man fell. Well, Chad, we're, 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 that's been a long time ago. You say, I have that in me? I, you know, what do you mean? Let me tell you something. Every single human being is born with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. Sin affects the whole aspect of your being. We're not born sinful. Do you have to teach your children to be good or teach them how to be bad? I've never had to tell any of my four children, y'all go ahead and be bad. It's the nature that lives within us because of the fall of man and the relationship that was broke. But Jesus, He died that death may be powerless. It says, For assuredly He does not give help to the angels, but gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Jesus did not come to die, as Warren Wisby says, to save fallen angels. Because if He had came to save fallen angels, then you yourself cannot be saved. Jesus had to be clothed in humanity. And I want you to understand this. It's amazing to me that sometimes we don't really grasp what Christ's humanity looks like. We don't grasp that. People have told me throughout, you don't know what I'm going through, Chad. You've never seen or been there when you've, you've seen a loved one die. Jesus has. You don't know what it's like to be tempted. Jesus has. You don't know what it's like to go through trials and tribulation. Jesus has. You see, for Him to pay the price for sin, He had to be fully man. To Him to have victory over it, He had to be fully God. The Bible tells us that He did not descend or He did not come down in His humanity to die for angels, but to give help from the descendants of Abraham. Therefore He had made like His brethren in all things that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since He Himself was tempted in that which He has suffered, He is able to come to the aid to those that are tempted. In these verses, I want to give you three benefits of many of following Christ. The three benefits that He lists here. And I pray if you have pencil... I want you to write these down, please. Number one, to break the fear of death. To break the fear of death. Now here, there again, I'm going to go back for this for a few moments. I want you to think about this with all your heart. Now there's not all of us, I mean all of us at times, it's not that we don't have a fear of dying, that's natural. But do you fear death? You see, every, that's one great tool that Satan has to get you in his grip is the fear of death. Satan is a devourer. He is a destroyer. He seeks whom he may devour. But Christ has power over him. Because of our sin, we're going to die a death. I want to give you that right off the bat, that the, 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 the death rate still is one out of every one person dies. You're going to die. But you don't have to die eternally because Christ has paid that price. And what he's saying through this, that the fear of death, look, all of us have fears. 
All of you have been afraid. But that is not the Spirit that is in you if you're in Christ. It's not something that you hold to. We were talking about this morning about how people we have seen that we love dearly have sat on their bedside and said, you know what? I don't have long, but I'm ready to see Christ. You see these missionaries marching in the face of death joyfully. Why? Because they may die a physical death, but they're not going to die a spiritual death. Why do we fear men who can kill you when you should fear Jesus who can kill you and send your soul to hell? He has that power. The worst thing people can do is kill us. Now, Chad, you're being awful brazen and tough. Listen to me. Only Christ can get me through anything. But I tell you this, I know without a shadow of a doubt, they can take my home, they can take my family, they can take my children, they can take my life, but they can't take away my Jesus, for he is greater than all things. And I know this, and I hope you have the same peace, that when I lay down my head at night, if it be my great getting up morning, I will be with Jesus Christ, because rejoice, I'm going to be with him. Don't mourn over me. What are we afraid of? Now, I'm not saying you should march in and be the man, woo, here, I'm here to die today, but understand this. There's a difference in a fear of dying and death. What do you mean? I think it's Billy Graham, I might be wrong, I don't want to misquote, said, you know, I'm not worried about death, I'm just worried about the transition of Tad. <laughs> okay, let's just be honest. We're all going to face death. But I believe with all my heart that the same Jesus Christ that saved us will sustain us no matter what we go through. And if you really believe that, why don't we live like we believe that? I can assure you, and listen to me, every one of you is going to die. And I tell this with a troubled heart, listen to me. You are going to die. Do you think all these Israelis wake, woke up yesterday morning, no rockets were going to come in through their windows? They live in that fear every day. Every day. That you don't know who you're going to find, who you're going to face, or what you're going to see. And we're so blessed, and I use that word loosely, that we wake up and we're able to worship here together. But let me tell you this, and you hear me real good, that those days are coming to an end. We had not seen anything yet. But I tell you this, I love Christ. And I assure you this, there's nothing to be afraid of. You see, Revelation tells me there'll be no cowards in heaven. None. There'll be no cowards. Said so the same verse, he also says murderers, idolaters, liars. He ranks cowards with those. Remember, we discussed this when we went through the book of Revelation. That doesn't mean we're all going to be afraid. But it's not the fear that grips us and consumes the whole aspect of our being because Christ is greater than that. And I promise you and want to encourage you this, that if Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have a hope and a peace beyond all understanding that He will sustain you to through till it's time to go into eternity. You think Jesus is a part-time Savior? He says that he has broke the back of death and the devil. The devil can threaten you with death. 
But he can't threaten you with eternity when you're in Christ. Satan's been defeated. What do you fear? Look what he also says. One of the greatest benefits that you can ever imagine. Number two is he became our merciful. Our merciful and great high priest. I want you to think about this for a few moments. Yeah, I'm going to go down this path for a minute. Who do you worship? Who do you worship? You see the priest in the Old Testament pointed all the way to Jesus. They were men that were flawed who would take the sacrifice with the blood covering the sin. But Jesus Christ don't cover sin. He removes it. And that priest would have to make atonement for his sin once a year. They have atonement. But Christ was the sacrifice who was sinless. And only a sinless man could become our great and merciful high priest. Which means this. I don't need a man to go to God for me. I can go to Jesus directly. And I'm going to win and say it. Isn't it amazing how many people we worship? The Pope is not worthy of worship. Period. There's no man worthy of worship. I have met people that will follow more of a pastor than they do Jesus Christ that called him. You don't worship men. I don't want anybody here because of me. I want people here because they love Jesus Christ. Because pastors should point men to Jesus, not point men to themselves. There's a big difference. Now, as a pastor, the Bible tells us we're to confess our faults to one another. I can help you. I can pray with you. I can talk with you. But I cannot save you. The only thing that I can do is to point you to Jesus Christ. And everything is God-breathed. Jesus became our high priest. He is the one we take to, we fall to, we go before, we bow down and say, God have mercy on me through your son Jesus Christ who paid that price that I could not pay. And let me tell you this in encouragement, brothers and sisters. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there's nobody going to take that away from you. Well, Chad, what about that? Listen, let's go ahead and make this clear. And I want everybody to hear this. If you live like hell and have no conviction of it, you'll make it there. Because I believe that 1 John's very clear. They went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have been of us, they would have stayed with us. But therefore, their going out showed that they were never one of us at all. The disciples that departed Jesus, they were fascinated with Christ. They weren't followers of him. There are a lot of people fascinated, but let me tell you something. When Christ is your Lord and Savior, there is change. I had somebody tell me this week, you think you're perfect? Absolutely not. But I can tell you this, the Spirit of Jesus that lives within me tells me when I get off the path to get back on it. 
You can't live in continual rebellion and call yourself Christ. He is our great high priest. Listen. When I get before God, there's nobody going to be able to stand up there, no man, and say, I'll vouch for Chad. My mom and daddy can't do it for me, my brother, my children. There's no going body vouch for me. You see, here's the thing about that. I want everybody to understand this clearly. I'm not grandfathered into my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not because I was baptized. It's not because I said a prayer. It's not because I went on a trip or I give clothing to the poor. It's not because I pray for those that are persecuted or, or, or feed those that are hungry. The only thing that makes me righteous is Christ's righteousness. I am unworthy, but through Christ I am made worthy. Which means this. When I stand before God, the only thing I can say is Jesus. I don't have anything to say but Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us that not only to become a merciful high priest, that he doesn't cover the sin, he takes it away and we can go to him directly. Number three, the Bible also says in these texts that he identified with our humanity so he understands our temptation. You see that? Look what the scriptures say. For since he himself was tempted in that which has, he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You'll find a beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Here is a man that's hungry. Have you ever been hungry? Can you imagine going 40 days without food? I'll be honest with you, I struggle after two hours. And we often think about this, but here you had this perfect man who was fully man, fully God, tempted by Satan. All of you will be tempted. You are tempted. And I want to reiterate this fact I've always had that people say, God won't put on you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. Well, the Bible says in context, he's talking about temptation, which means this. There's no temptation that you can't walk away from. And if you have the mentality that I'll ask forgiveness later, then reevaluate your heart. You say, you don't know what I'm going through and how big peer pressure is. Are you kidding me? This man in three and a half years of his ministry was surrounded by people that hated him. He was tempted by Satan threatened to be killed by men, laughed at by his own family. He identifies with you. He knows how you feel. So many times I heard, we heard the song just a few minutes ago, he knows my name. Do you realize that? Take encouragement. I love the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about it. And we go, what? And one of the best lines ever in Scripture that I love, why should you worry about what you wear? 
Because take the lilies of the field. They don't toil, they don't spin, yet Solomon, Jesus used Solomon. Solomon in all his glory wasn't arraigned as one of these. How much more are you? You hear that? Solomon, the wisest, richest king in Israel's history, who had it all, even in all his human glory. Human glory. Human? Same Solomon says this side of heaven, everything's vanity. Human glory? He can't measure up to the lily in the field. And God, who takes care of the lilies, takes care of you. It says very clearly, listen to this, one of my favorite passages that I, I often read and reflect upon myself. Listen. Blessed be the God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away, reserved in heaven for you. We're talking about believers. For you. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Did you hear that? You will go through trials. I'm going to say it again for everybody. You will go through trials. He says this, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which perishes, perishes though tested by fire, may be found to have a result in the praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. That was written by Peter, who according to church history, when he was taken by the Romans, said, I am not worthy to die as Christ, and he was crucified upside down. I am not worthy. He made it very clearly we're going to go through trials and tribulation. But I want you to understand that Christ came for His glory, for God's glory. But the benefit is to break the fear of death. To have, an, a, to have a, a, a merciful and great high priest. And to identify with our humanity when we're tempted. Look, here's the, here's the moral of the story. Lean on Jesus. When you're going through persecution, lean on Jesus. When you're going through death, lean on Jesus. When you're going through trials and tribulations, lean on Jesus. Because if there's anybody that can identify with anything that we'll ever experience, it's Christ. Listen. Hudson Taylor said, How, our Lord, how had our Lord appeared on earth as an angel light he would doubtless have inspired for far more awe and reverence. You hear that? Had our Lord appeared on earth as an angel of light, he would doubtless have inspired far more awe and reverence and would have collected together even larger multitudes to attend his ministry. Did you hear that? Now, if you don't know who Hudson Taylor is, I want you to go do a little research on him. Great missionary. 
But it's not the splendor and glory that tried to Jesus tried to come down and to show you how great and beautiful and majestic by an outward appearance he was. Surely that would attract people. Think about it. People were attracted to Christ because of his miracles. But yet, when the rubber met the road, they denied him, didn't they? But he came to save man, but to save man, he became man, not merely like man, but very man. In language and costume and everything unsinful, he made himself one with those who sought to benefit. He had, had he been born a noble Roman rather than a Jew, he would perhaps, if less loved, have commanded more of a certain kind of respect. And he would assuredly thereby have been spared much indignity to which he was subjected. This, however, was not his aim. He emptied himself. Surely no follower of the meek and lowly Jesus will be likely to conclude that this is beneath the dignity of the Christian missionary to seek identification with this poor people in the hope that he may see them washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Let us rather be followers of him who, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from the supper, he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Jesus was the servant of servants. The sacrificial lamb. I want to tell you something I pray that every one of us hear very clearly. I'll never forget, and I've shared this illustration, going into a homeless shelter in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to work. And they had a sign above the wall. It said, the true heart of a servant is how he reacts when he's treated like one. The true heart of a servant is how he reacts when he's treated like one. Understand, Jesus didn't come here to be served, but to serve and give him his life as a ransom for the many. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this morning that just like the Hebrew church, at this time, of course, we get into the, uh, the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew congregation there. As we get further in, you will see that he says, you have not resisted to the point yet of shedding blood. Okay? In other words, it's coming. Brothers and sisters, it's coming. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to shake anybody up. But I would be a coward and a heretic to stand over here and tell you that everything's going to be a-okay from my standpoint. And tell you what you want to hear. I don't want to ever be that one that stands up and says, when you go home today, you won't ever have to worry about another dime. All you got to do is put about 3000 in that plate and you'll have a new car by tomorrow. Let me tell you something. The Jesus Christ that I serve don't have followers that teach that stuff. You hear me? I am not going to stand up here and brag about our budget. I'm not going to stand up here and talk about how many people we want to take to the fall festival. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you how much we've done great for this community. The only good that's been done is through Jesus Christ and us. That's who we serve. And the benefits, listen, 
The benefits of a believer is what Christ has done on the cross. The benefits. He has died for His glory. But yet we benefit through His death. And that benefit knowing that if anybody has been through anything, Christ knows. That anybody who don't have, people can believe that they do not have to go to a certain man or person to ask forgiveness for their sin. Yes, if we wrong somebody, yes, we want forgiveness. But let me tell you something. We are depraved people that need forgiveness too. We can go to Christ directly. And no man is worthy of the worship that Jesus Christ is worthy. Period. And three, like I said, temptation. You can walk away. The Spirit of God that is in you, you have the power to do that. But understand this, again, he's talking to believers. And I want to share with you this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be. Today is the day of salvation. I want you to understand that very quickly that the Hebrew church was encouraged by this, but if I was an unbeliever, I'd have fear. Because if I wasn't a believer, what hope do I have? But I have hope. You see, the Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16 tells us very clearly, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. But I want you to understand this. Please listen to me. It's not believing that Jesus. It's believing in Jesus. To be a follower of Christ, it means emptying of yourself, dying of self, and following Him. Does it mean you're going to live perfect? Absolutely not. But that should never be an excuse for you to live like hell. You hear me? Because if you are born again, believer in Jesus Christ, something that my grandpa used to say, your want-tos change. And yes, I'm going to get off that path. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall. But the Spirit of God that lives in me is greater than the world and will get me back on that path. Do you know Him? But most importantly, does He know you? Guys, I want you to be encouraged I want you to know that without a shadow of a doubt that when you walk out that door you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There was many people that woke up yesterday that didn't know it would be their last morning. And thousands of people, thousands of people became the casualty of hate. But Jesus has broke the back of the devil. And right now he has temporary reign, but I can tell you this, he is a defeated foe. Are you trusting in Christ? You may say, Chad, well, I, I was baptized. Well, let me tell you something. So was I. When I was eight years old, I went into the water, a dry center, and came out a wet one. Baptism did not save me. I was saved by putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of my sins and following Him, and refused to follow the world. Does He know you? He said, well, Chad, I'm a halfway decent person. My good outweighs my bad. You see, Jesus did not come here to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. Every one of us are dead in our trespasses. Isaac Watts, alas and dead, my Savior bleed, and in my sovereign die would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. 
That's what he said. But I guess through time, the hymn books changed it because it seemed a little too cruel for a human being to be called a worm. Did you know that? Some translations of the hymn will say, for sinners such as I. That does not do justice to the work of Christ. I'm a worm. But let me tell you something. Yet in my unworthiness, Christ is worthy. And for any of you, I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I don't care what your past holds. I serve a Jesus that will serve you or save you where you are. He will cleanse you. He will change you. And He'll give you a, good, a new nature. Does He know you? For those of you who may be here and you say, well, Chad, I'm saved. But I'm struggling. I struggle with fear. But I know I'm not supposed to be this way. Well, I tell you, you get on your knees and you pray God to give you guidance through it. I was telling somebody this morning, oftentimes when we're going through trials and tribulations, we don't feel like praying. That's the time you need to pray. There's times in my life, to be honest with you, I don't want to be around people. You ever been that way? You don't have to lie to me. But that's the time we need to be around God's people. Because I want brothers and sisters lifting me up to Christ. It's the time that you need to be in the Word. You see, I, I think it's very interesting to me. It's all about perspectives. It's all about perspectives. If I understand that I'm going to go to work tomorrow and it's going to be a miserable day, I have two attitudes that I can take. And I'm just using this loosely. Bear with me. That's not counting all the unseen stuff. Okay? I'm just being honest that we're going to face. I can either go in there knowing that God's sustaining me and I work for His glory, or I can go with a bad attitude that not only could I mess up my testimony, but affect the testimony of others on how I act. It's all perspective. And we all know that as, as believers, we have bad days. Again, I, I'm not saying that everybody should flock to Living Way Community Church, but if you go somewhere where people tell you that you're going to have health, wealth, and prosperity, you better leave. Jesus said you will have trouble, but I will give you my peace. It's not about how or what you have on this earth. It's about Christ and how you leave this earth. And I want you to understand that I'm sitting here in encouragement. You're going to go have trials and tribulations. It's going to happen. But I can tell you this, when you mess up and you fall flat on your face, we have a great high priest that you can go to. And the Bible tells us if we ask his forgiveness, he is gracious, he is merciful. He will forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Is that not great? I mean, I want to get a little more excited about that. He'll cleanse you. That ought to let you know, too, that this, it, look, there's a song that I started listening to here lately. I don't know if any of you have ever listened to Big Daddy Weave, but I, I like his songs. And, and he's got a song, his brother just died. Brother Jay Weaver just passed away. And he wrote a song called Heaven Changes Everything. And I want you to think about this. 
This perspective from a human standpoint, we see some awful things. But knowing my home is not here and is in heaven, it changes everything. It changes your perspective. Because I come to the understanding because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ that yes, I'm going to have a hard time here on this home temporarily. But this is not my permanent residence. My permanent residence is in the presence of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing going to separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nor feast or famine. No death. No principalities of the dark. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Be encouraged. You say, Chad, the news makes me sad. Turn it off and spend time with your family. Or spend time on your knees in prayer. Look, I'm not trying to be the dead horse. But I want everybody that's a follower of Jesus Christ to understand this. He is greater than this world. And he's worthy to be worshipped. And I can promise you that family will argue over your stuff after you're dead and gone. And everything that you have, somebody else will have one day. But you know what? You can have it. Because when I leave this earth, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Because he identified with my humanity. Perfect. He was perfect. He paid the price, propitiation. You know what that means? He suffered the wrath of God for us. Jesus Christ, who would pray in the garden, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. People say, well, Jesus was afraid of the cross. Are you kidding me? Jesus was not afraid of some Roman cross. In that cup, you know what it was? The wrath of God. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he drunk that cup. And he did it for us. And let me assure you, brothers and sisters, and here's listen real clear, that I don't know what your future holds on this earth, but what you can have with assurance as you walk out that door is a future with Jesus Christ when you leave this earth. And that ought to be rejoicing. But I pray today, and I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up. Listen. Today is the day of salvation. Again, I don't know when any of us are going to leave this earth. But you can know how you leave it. I cannot think, but the writer of Hebrews is he's encouraging. Therefore, therefore, since Jesus died on the cross, not only does he know how you feel, not only does he know you've been tempted, not only does he know all aspects of your being, but because of that death on the cross, he knows your name. Does he know yours? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Brothers and sisters, I come to you this morning. 
in all sincerity. I want you to understand that I can't tell each and every one of you that when we leave this earth, we'll meet again. Because I don't know that. But I pray. I pray that everyone here today has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of you made me get to the finish line before I do. Or I might make it before you do. But I pray that I see you at the finish line. Your soul matters. Your lives matter. We don't serve some flippant God who's abstract and away from our lives. We serve a living God and His Son Jesus Christ. If you do not have a relationship with him and you seek his face. Again, brothers and sisters who are believers, listen to me. I know this life's tough. I can't stand up here and tell you that if you have enough faith, you won't have cancer. I can't stand up here and tell you if you don't have enough faith that your relatives and your family member won't die. I can't stand up here and tell you that everything that happens in the world that you'll be immune from, I cannot stand up here and tell you that. I will not. But what I will stand up here and tell you that Jesus Christ who saved you will sustain you no matter what you go through. Brothers and sisters, listen. We also have to develop an urgency. That there's those as we go out into that street, into that field, that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we are born again believers, we have to share the good news. Brothers and sisters, please be encouraged. But please, please, get a sense of urgency. That if anybody that's around us go to hell, they ought to go tripping over us. And we can either be a stumbling block for the gospel or a stumbling block to Satan. Let people see that we're a stumbling block for Satan. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we thank you for going to Calvary and paying that debt you didn't know because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. I, I know I say that quite often, Lord, but I am reminded that I have nothing to contribute to my salvation but my sin. And I am unworthy but Lord, your word is very clear that if I place my faith and trust in you and I follow you and turn from my sin, that you will forgive me and you will cleanse me and you will sustain me. And like Peter said in his first chapter, 
Though temporarily we have to go through trials and tribulations, there's an inheritance waiting for us. God, thank you so much for the cross. Lord, thank you so much to this church body. Lord, may we get in our hearts and minds that if one person in this community or this area is touched with the gospel, your son Jesus Christ, then our existence is worthy, is worth it, I'm sorry, is worth it. Lord, one person, for your word says that angels rejoice when someone follows Christ. God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity today to serve and worship you. And Lord, may it be our motto as all believers that all who come behind us find us faithful. May we praise you, proclaim you, and show others how much we love you by loving them. And it's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing and worship. <laughs>